This is Modern Notebook. I'm Tyler Klein. Well, I'm very excited to be joined now by Taylor Ireland. Uh, Taylor is a Tampa-based flutist who has collaborated with award-winning composers to commission, premiere, and record new works for the flute. And he has also been part of the BBC Symphony Orchestra's Total Immersion Project and currently serves as uh, piccolo and third flute with the Venice Symphony. He has just released an album called The Journey, his debut album, featuring all new works by LGBTQIA plus composers. Taylor, welcome to Modern Notebook. Thank you so much for having me, Tyler. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm, I'm glad to have you. Uh, so this is your this is your debut album, and it's an album that focuses on the music of um, a marginalized group of people. So I'm sure a lot of planning went into this and a lot of thought obviously has gone into it. Um, could you talk a little bit about what prompted you to begin this recording project? Absolutely. So when uh, the pandemic started, as many of us musicians did when we sort of had this downtime, Andre and I were talking about what maybe we could do in the meantime, because all of our live concerts were canceled. Uh, One of the things that has been sort of on the back burner pre-pandemic was to record an album. And as, as many of us musicians know, it can be a lot of work and oftentimes our schedules are just so busy to really dedicate the time for it. So the pandemic actually sort of provided this um, unique opportunity to really start the project. So when we were discussing ideas of what to do, we tend to do pieces that are very programmatic in our live performances anyway. So I really wanted to do an album of music that could really resonate with me personally. And as I was garnering through all of these ideas, I just sort of dawned on me. I do a lot of activism within the LGBTQIA plus community. And I thought, well, I need to share stories of my community. And it really wasn't initially planned to be anything, you know, special or groundbreaking or anything like that. It was just, oh, well, that's something that I relate to. And I would love to, you know, I feel like I could resonate because oftentimes it's hard to perform music that is about, you know, the heteronormative Mm -hmm. type uh, plot lines that tend to be in classical music. So that's how it initially began. You know, I love that you say that it's just, uh, it's kind of, it just came naturally to, you You know, I think there's a lot of, um, there are people doing activist projects right now that sometimes seem a little forced to me at least. Right. Um, and, right. and it's great that they're bringing attention to uh, different issues and stuff. But, um, you know, it's very clear to me listening to the album that it's, it's just, it's coming from a part of you and that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I always say that, you know, uh, my last name, Ireland, obviously um, is Irish. <laughs> so to me, it was kind of like, you know, uh, I, I grew up listening to Irish music, but I think there's enough flute Irish music out there. <laughs> Not that we can't have more, but, uh, you know, to me, it's the same thing. You know, it, it, it's, yeah. it's in a way part of my culture. And so I just thought, you know, this is part of my culture and I wanted to um, share it and express it. Yeah, great. So to to find the music for this album, you did a call for scores, uh, specifically for works by LGBTQIA plus composers. Uh, I'm wondering what kind of response did you get uh, from composers and and what was the process like uh, selecting the pieces that are included in this album? It was a really rewarding process on on many levels, because this is when I started realizing that this project was probably bigger than we initially anticipated. First off, we received a lot of really 
big praise and and people that were like, wow, this is really cool. This is really unique. But then we also received a lot of backlash. Um, mm-hmm. So when we were putting out the call, I started receiving many hate messages and comments and all of that. And it, it was kind of alarming. And I, I think then it started to occur to me how important this actually was, um, because a lot of people were asking, well, why why do the composers need to identify as this? And and for me, it, it was, you know, we were going to promote it as a self-identifying album of people who identify this way. But also the whole point was that the, the stories and the plots were going to be something that I could personally relate to. But the the positive is we received so many submissions from literally around the world. And a lot of these composers just sent, you know, heartfelt messages along with their submissions saying, you know, how excited they were to see a project like this mm. happening. So when we received all of the call for scores as submissions, what I did is I made them anonymous files um, in my computer and then I listened to them and read along with the scores. I, I was a little worried it would be very difficult because I've judged young artist competitions and it can be sometimes so difficult to choose when you love so many things about so many different pieces and people and players. But these six pieces that are on the album all just stood out to me. There were so many fantastic ones, but these, they just really hit like a string within me that I just went, I have to play these. So it was actually really fortunate that that happened. Initially, we were only going to pick four, but we ended up extending it to six because I really wanted to play all six. That's uh, that's great. It's always nice to have uh, more than you need almost. Oh, well, challenging as well. Yeah, uh, that's always the fear, right? That you're going to get no submissions. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, I'd like to share some music from the album. And this is uh, one. This is a piece by composer Carla Ong called A Reminder If You Forget. And, and what I found most interesting about this piece is there is a recorded conversation that accompanies the flute and piano. Um, and I'll just say that the conversation was was moving to me when I listened to it. So I'm excited to share it. Um, but can you give us an idea about what we'll hear and also why this conversation is integral to the music? Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Um, I always feel like as, you know, as we tell these stories, it's not just meant to be heard by our community. We hope that, you know, everyone listens to these and understands. Of course, we've all seen movies and heard music that has touched us, even if it wasn't about necessarily things mm, that we yeah. can do. As long as you're an empath, you should be able to get it. <laughs> but yeah, so the the I, I remember when I listened to this piece and this one really grabbed me. I, I, I think more than any when I was listening on the call for scores. And so what Carla has done here is just phenomenal. So first of all, you know, there is this interview that's happening, but the the music that's happening underneath it is just as beautiful. I think that's one of the big things when doing contemporary music is that there's not a gimmick or there's not a shtick, right? So when when Andre and I would rehearse the piece without the the recorded track, it would still just it's a beautiful piece. But then to also have these interviews, um, which is such an interesting way of documenting, I think what it's like to be a queer person today. And I think my favorite takeaway from the interview thing that is stuck with me is she asked the question, "What is queer joy?" And it's something that my friends and I have been saying constantly now. It's like our life motto. I recently was talking to Carla and I was like, I hope you know, 
I've taken this and ran with it. Like we're all asking each other, what is queer joy to you today? So um, I think it's important. Uh, Carla mentioned that she really wanted to write a piece that was not about all of the bad stories. Oftentimes our stories are told about the heartbreak, the, the tragedies. And she really wanted to tell a story about all of the joy that our community also brings. This is A Reminder If You Forget by Carla Ong. Uh, flutist Taylor Ireland and pianist Andrea Feidel perform here on Modern Notebook. Okay, it's happening. Are we rolling? Yes, I'll Because be someone rolling. needs to know that he has everything he needs to get through this weekend and this career and this life. When you can literally walk into his room, I walk into his room, I see literal beauty being created everywhere. And he has the audacity to write the audacity to try and write like What is queer joy to me? I feel like queer joy is having iced coffee in December. (laughs) And no one being able to tell you anything. I stand by that. Blasting chromatica out of my window until midnight. Trying bubble tea for the first time. That was queer joy, bitch. <laughs> Art is queer joy. Yes! Just gonna say that! It's not. Listen to Rain on Me in the Rain. That was queer joy! That was full heartedly queer joy! Just all of my straight co workers watching me sit in the pouring rain, listen to Rain on Me. You should come inside and I'm like, don't talk to me. It's <laughs> <laughs> when we heard Charlie XCX out the window and we started playing Charlie XX behind. I will talk about that. There was this lady, I was walking out of a shop, and I saw this, I heard this mum with her kids. I don't know what happened, but her son like ran away screaming at something. And then I heard her say, no, don't worry, like makeup's for boys and girls. Like it's totally for everyone. And I just, my heart, I was like, to mind is I was in sixth grade so I was like 12 my drama teacher the first time I met him um, who he would later become you know my queer hero he was standing next to a science teacher and this I heard the science teacher go oh I like your belt and I looked over at his belt it's like a Batman belt and he's like oh thanks my boyfriend got it for me 
And I remember just like being shook for the rest of the day. I was just shook. I was just like, oh, like my life is a hundred times better now. Flashback to years 2015. We're in Windsor, Ontario. We're back home. It's my first ever Pride Festival. I snuck out of my parents' house to go. Um, I remember I knew nothing about queer anything. I just knew they were like, we're going to Pride. And I was like, that sounds fun. So I show up, but this drag queen walks up and my friends are like, we want to take a picture with her. And I think she's easily seven foot five because of her heels. She is so tall. Rattling with the fact that I'm like, it's a man, it's a woman, it's a man. <laughs> They're called drag queens. <laughs> like, I was just, I was rattled. At the time, I literally, like, was like, I'll take the picture. Because I was like, I don't know how to process what's happening in front of me. She is the first time I've ever been like, oh, gender's non-existent. Queer people are the future. And, like, I wish I remembered her name, because I want to go give her a hug and be like, thanks. In my secondary school, I spent a long time hanging around people that weren't the best for me, that were just like not, they were like friends, but they weren't, they weren't good for me. And then I found, after I left school, I came across a group of people, of queer people, that I was like, uh, that were like suddenly could understand me and we could like communicate on the same level and we would understand each other. That like transition was a very distinct transition. It wasn't gradual, and it was such like a wonderful like, explosion of like, oh my god, yes. I'm free. Oh, queer joy is me and my best friend Elliot. Yes, both realized we were trans about the same time. Yeah. So there was this really lovely moment when they came out to me. Queer joy to me is when you've spent your whole life hanging around people that don't understand you or your life or your like path and then coming across people who do understand and empathize with what you are. Yes. And then the joy of like, ah, oh, I've met these people. <laughs> By definition, what do you think though? Or like, what do you think that brings you? Oh, power. Oh, yeah. Queer joy is power. Queer, queer joy is power, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It was like, I'm gonna minimize it. Like, I'm gonna be like, really like, Particular one, and I was like, "This is not to be a straight composer." Yeah, Shut and I was like, "Stop! What? Like, what? What for? Like, for this? Where there is someone, a drag queen in heels, who's gonna play the flute, is looking for creative people. I will not sit through this weekend and watch you try to make yourself smaller when you have everything you need in your head. And so I urge you." to recognize, and I will remind you if you forget, <laughs> recognize the things you are incredible at. Do you think you'll ever get to a point where it is like a fully realized, full, perpetual thing? Now I don't think, but I think I will. Okay. Cause like, 
I think I will, but in the in the way like I'm going to do it, but not entirely. Okay. Cause like, cause like the past is still gonna haunt me forever. Yeah, that's true. So. That's true. I just don't understand how this hasn't happened yet in your life. How people can go about their lives knowing you and not seeing this. Yeah, cause it's a default to them. I know. I think I'm gonna change my concept to this. To me. <laughs> to, to, to realizing that you are incredible and have everything you need. Yeah, I think I'm gonna change my concept to this. <laughs> I'm just the audio track. Yeah, I, yeah literally. <laughs> this is gonna be the audio track. No! And it's gonna be Spotify. No! And everyone's gonna hear it. Music there by Carla Ung. That was called A Reminder If You Forget, performed by flutist Taylor Ireland and pianist Andrea Feidel. I'm Tyler Klein. This is Modern Notebook speaking with flutist Taylor Ireland about his debut album titled The Journey. Uh, so to my knowledge, there really isn't any other album uh, like this one that highlights strictly the music of LGBTQIA plus composers, um, again, that I'm aware of. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering if you could share your thoughts, um, and, and you've already touched on this a little bit, but uh, kind of share your thoughts on the importance uh, of this level of representation. So I I'm actually have been searching myself. Um, first, when we decided on that being our project, I thought, well, I, I'm going to research and see what's already been done and maybe find some inspiration of how to go about this. And I did not find anything. And actually, I just heard about an album at the National Flute Convention that a, a colleague of mine, her partner, is a part of an LGBTQ plus tuba ensemble. And I guess they mm -hmm. just released an album recently. And that might be the only other one I've heard of. So yeah, it, I, I was kind of surprised actually, um, because there's there's so many composers and performers that do self-identify. But what I discovered is while they self-identify and they may even be open about it, they don't write works that are about their life experiences. And that was the big difference. You know, there might be a queer composer that writes a symphony or a sonata or even other things, you know, but I think what is important about this is it is important both for those of us in the community. It's a way of, I think, healing, storytelling, being advocates, knowing that our stories are important, but it's also important as listeners to be able to hear our stories. Again, there are so many other um, cultures and stuff out there that are telling their stories. That is what music is, right? Music could be storytelling. And um, what I found really interesting is as I talked to the composers that are on the album, every single one of them, they said this is the first time they've ever written a piece specifically about their own life experiences. And since the project, when they wrote these pieces just over a year ago, all except for one have written only music exclusively about mm. their life experiences. They found it so rewarding to finally kind of be like, yeah, I guess, you know, all of my colleagues are writing about their partners and love and children and whatever, you know, everything that they've been through. But I think as queer people, sometimes we feel this need to prove ourselves as a professional first um, before we really tell our story. 
so all of the all the music on this album is it's all kind of uh, in that realm of telling uh, the composers uh, kind of perspective did did the composers compose this music for this album I believe most, if not all, did. There may, I think there was one piece that a composer sort of reworked just because it did kind of have a, a queer theme to it. But I think all but that one specifically wrote for this one. That's that's very exciting. Um, and congrats to you for spearheading that. <laughs> that's great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So the title of the album is The Journey. Um, why did you choose to name the album this? And what is the significance of this title? So it came from a piece that I wrote in 2012 called The Journey, which is on the album as well. So I used to write a quite quite a bit of music. Um, it was a way, a, a sort of emotional outlet for myself. Um, and I wrote this my senior year of college and performed it on my senior recital. And I dedicated it to one of my dear flute teachers. And The Journey was my journey as, as a person, really. I think that um, my... My flute teacher, Rhonda Cassano, who plays with the Jacksonville Symphony, really taught me how to use music as a way of healing um, myself, not just performing for the audience. Um, and also just how much more rewarding that is for the audience when when you are so expressive from within your soul. So this piece was me really reaching in um, and telling my story so it starts out with church bells because I grew up in a very religious household. It starts out with a sort of timid, soft melody, um, sort of searching, which is basically my life. Then there's this tumultuous middle section that is all the obstacles that I have faced. And then sort of out of all of this um, becomes this grand reimagining of the theme and it actually ends on the leading tone to show that it is not yet finished, that my journey is not finished. I didn't initially think about putting this on the album when I first started, but as I heard the other pieces, I thought I have to put this piece on the album because it's just going to fit so well. And so then it, it just sort of crossed over, you know, not only is this my journey, but this is the journey of the other composers. And then hopefully a journey for the listener. When I picked the pieces and, and, listen to the order. One of the things that I really thought in my mind imagining is I really wanted that feeling of you could play this album from beginning to end and really understand a total story, you know, that almost as mm -hmm. if these are chapters. So I imagine that like, you know, going on a road trip, putting in the CD, not listening on Spotify and skipping tracks, <laughs> you know, but yeah complete journey from beginning to end and so it just was a nice real mesh of all of that i'm speaking with taylor ireland a tampa-based flutist about his debut album the journey and you can get your copy and listen to it on his website taylorireland.com uh, so shifting gears quite a bit uh, in addition to being a performing musician you are also the creator of flute is a drag where you've combined your career in drag as kylie fortissimo with your career as a musician. And on your site, you say the purpose of flute is a drag is to bring laughter to an often all too serious and stressful career in music. Uh, this seems to be quite a successful and honestly fun component to your musical and creative activities. So um, could you talk a little bit more about what flute is a drag has been like? Well, it has been quite a journey in itself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of piggybacking off of what I said earlier about queer people feeling like they need to establish themselves as professionals first. 
that's often what I felt like about integrating drag. Um, I've done drag for now about 18 years, I want to say, or plus. And um, actually, when I was in college, some of my uh, professors had, had known about this and said, you should really incorporate this and, you know, kind of marry oh, the two and do some projects. And I was petrified. I didn't want, you know, at the time, I, I was afraid that it would hurt my career. You know, I was really worried about that. And so I didn't for years and years. And then what sort of uh, inspired this is, is I was doing an audition and I was realizing how crazy these things that we do as musicians are. And I often find that laughter is the best medicine to get through it. And so I made a video sort of depicting the different characters in an audition. And that's sort of where this was started. And it was my first sort of outing, I guess, in the flute world or classical music world as a drag queen. And it it really was so well received. Um, And so I was fortunate enough to be invited to the Mid-Atlantic Flute Convention to present a workshop called Channeling Your Inner Diva, where I worked with people about sort of finding their confidence and stage presence and really just confidence in life as well outside of just flute playing. And then I was also invited to be one of the night performers for the evening galas for the National Flute Convention. Sadly, in 2020, when we had the pandemic, so we ended up doing it virtually. But I had a friend of mine from London compose a piece that was written specifically for drag queen flutist. Um, And it's really fun. We kind of played off the whole audition part and it goes terribly wrong and Um, We just try to make it really comical. I sing in it um, and I'm not a singer, but (laughs) the whole point is that it's just supposed to be fun. You know, I think sometimes we forget why we do this thing music. And I I think sometimes classical music can be very elitist. And I think we sometimes take ourselves just too seriously. Yeah, I love that. Um, Is there a place that we can watch that performance? (laughs) It is. Yes, absolutely. It is on my drag flute channel, which is flute is a drag. Um, That's the name of the channel. And there are some videos. And um, unfortunately, with the album and everything, Kylie has been in hibernation for a little bit. But I'm already working on some projects now that the album is finished uh, to bring her out again. So if you like the videos, you'll probably see more in the very near future. Perfect. That's awesome. Well, let's hear one more piece from the album, some selections from Isaac Montalano's Rainbow Sketches. Can you tell us a little bit about what we're going to hear? So Rainbow Sketches is a, a really nice work of miniature movements. And I think this is something that sometimes gets lost. It reminds me of some of the older French pieces that would be really short movements. And each movement is depicting a color of the rainbow. Um, And Isaac decided to base this off of a color theory chart that identifies each color as a specific wavelength, which actually correlates to a key signature. So each movement is the color as it relates to the key signature. And he based each movement on the color. So for instance, um, the first movement, red, it's entitled Rojo, and so it has this sort of like Spanish flair. There's a movement that is related to his experience in the church. There is some little snippets that I think are really cool. They're almost like little Easter eggs within the piece. 
for instance, one of the movements starts out with a chord progression of F, A, and G. If you know what that spells, um, it is often a derogatory word, but he wrote this as a reclamation of that word. Um, and it's very triumphant and it's such a cool, unique experience. And if you uh, go to the program notes, which are digital on our website, you can actually see a link to this really cool scientific chart that Isaac used to compose this work. Well, selections here from the Rainbow Sketches by Isaac Montalano, flutist Taylor Ireland, and pianist Andrea Feidel perform.
flutist Taylor Ireland and pianist Andrea Feidel performing selections from the Rainbow Sketches by Isaac Montalano from Taylor's debut album, The Journey. Well, Taylor, it's been uh, so great chatting about your new album and just wondering, is there anything else you have going on that you'd like to share? Well, I, as I mentioned earlier with uh, Kylie Fortismo, hopefully she'll be coming out again and making an, an appearance soon. Andre and I are looking forward to getting back on the road now. Live performances are starting to come back. And now that we have this album, we have a lot of music that did not make the album, but that we would really like to perform. So we actually have quite an extensive list of new works that we're looking forward to performing. So we're really excited about that. We're currently working on our tour dates for the 2023 year. So we'll be having that on our website. We're going to be visiting a few schools, but also getting out there in the community. And then, of course, with the Venice Symphony keeps me busy and fun and happy. So if you're in the Florida area, be sure to come out. Um, one of the things I really enjoy with uh, our music director, Troy Quinn, is he also does a lot of uh, contemporary music and he does this sort of hybrid program where we do oftentimes half of the concert is a standard sort of masterworks and the other half is more contemporary music or pops concerts and I love that rather than completely separating them and having mm -hmm. two different series um, it, as an advocate of contemporary music and really engaging the audience I think it's a su successful way that I think a lot of professional orchestras need to move in that direction as well. Awesome. Well, congrats again on the album. I just want to say I appreciate what you're doing um, with your platform as a performer and with this album. And uh, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you so much for having me and allowing us to have this platform and share our music. Taylor Ireland is a flutist based in Tampa, Florida, and has collaborated with award-winning composers to commission, premiere, and record new works for the flute, as well as write his own works and transcriptions for flute and various ensembles. His debut album out now is called The Journey, which features brand new works by LGBTQIA composers, and you can listen and get your copy on his website, taylorireland.com.